Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. When will the world understand the cessation of stress and suffering from aging and death? Then I had the thoughts. Well, what initiates aging and death? What's the requisite condition that aging and death are dependent on for arising? And here things get a little tricky already. Because... Well, what's he talking about now, aging and death? Is this the brute physical fact of aging and death that he's talking about? I doubt it, because he's well aware of it, that this is happening. And it's part of life. On the other hand, if the question is, what initiates the suffering, the stress and suffering about aging and death, then you're looking in a different direction. So his answer there is, for my appropriate mindfulness came a breakthrough of understanding. From birth as a requisite condition comes aging and death. Again, on the face of it, that's a slam dunk. Yeah, of course, you have to be born in order to age and die. But again, that's not what the question is. The question is, where does this stress come from? If you look in the analysis of dependent origination, you look at birth, which is the second to last, which is the one that comes before suffering, by the way. It's the arising, the coming to be, the arising of the five clinging aggregates. Now, the definition of the five clinging aggregates is this is what, this is the thing that experiences the suffering in life. So, to read this, you have to look at birth from that perspective. So this suffering of aging and death has as a prerequisite that there is somebody there, that there is something there to experience that suffering. It, it looks like duh, but um, He's really paring things down here to the, the absolute, to the bones of human experience. And he continues. Then I had the thought, what initiates birth? What's the requisite condition that birth is dependent on for arising? What is this, what are these five clinging aggregates? This thing that experiences suffering, 
Where's that coming from? For my appropriate mindfulness came a breakthrough of understanding from becoming as the recreative condition comes birth. Now we're really in the weeds because becoming is one of these words that are barely defined. Um, there's a couple of suttas on it. The Bhava Sutta is one. The word in, in Pali is Bhava. And when you look into the Pali English Dictionary, uh, there's a lot of references, but there's not a lot of explanation. The early English translators, both from Sanskrit and from Pali, gave it becoming. Because bhava as a root has uh, the word for to be. And becoming in English has a couple of different meanings. Some more obvious than others. Uh, and here is where I, I have a different look at it than John, but I'll give you my way of looking at it. <clears throat> I'm seeing becoming as the opposite of being. It's not that you're going to become something as, as John said, becoming more ignorant. Um, there's a couple of good reasons for not using that one, but I have to sit down and spend like a week trying to reason that out. But look at it this way. Because in dependent origination, becoming is dependent on craving. And the whole thing from coming from ignorance, we're going down the right line, and we're ending up now we are craving. And craving has, as a result, becoming. Craving in essence is not being content with reality. You want something else. This is not good enough. So As a result of that craving, the mind wants to get out of the present moment. It wants to get out of just being here. It's not good enough. I want something else. I deserve something else, whatever. But it's a movement away from the present moment. That is where becoming 
that word points at. I don't think Bhaga was even used at the time. I think he made it up because of the lack of, of explanations elsewhere. And when you go to the, the Bhava Sutta, it's complicated. He'll tell you this is how and why it happens, but he doesn't tell you exactly what's happening. He didn't have the words for it. I think that's where this comes down to. So, from becoming, from this relentless leaving the present moment comes this whole construct of all the things that are made in the mind for that. Thoughts, feelings, perceptions, consciousness, all of that stuff is made up of little atoms of becoming. So that's one line of thought that he has. So now he is, he's drilled it down to what we do every moment of the day. What this, what is this basic discontent has as a result, this relentless leaving of being, becoming. Now he switches tack. Buddha's words. Then I had the thought, what initiates name and form? What's the requisite condition that name and form is dependent on for arising? Okay. Now we're starting at name and form. Name and form is the physical body, the mind attached to it, combined with the sense of identity. That's the name. The form is the rest. Little funny concept, but <clears throat> and and these these concepts are made up out of smaller concepts. Um, I have to really concentrate to keep this all straight in my head. And every time I read this, I have to go back to, okay, what does it say in the analysis of dependent origination? <clears throat> For my appropriate mindfulness came a breakthrough of understanding. From consciousness as the requisite condition comes name and form. Now, consciousness is your ongoing day-to-day -day thinking. So, Thinking establishes name and form. The form and the identity that comes with it. And how we identify and we identify to forms and self 
self-referential views. The views part is important. I'll give you John's words here for a second too. In the Paticca Samapada Vibhanga Sutta, the analysis, the Buddha shows that it is ignorance of Four Noble Truth that is the condition for the arising of mental fabrications. And that the arising of consciousness is dependent on mental fabrications. Consciousness then in this context is ordinary ongoing thinking. Arising from ignorance. <clears throat> and what arises from ignorance can only further ignorance. The Buddhist word. <clears throat> then I had the thought what initiates consciousness? What's the requisite condition for consciousness is dependent on for arising? For my appropriate mindfulness, and take note of this, this saying for my appropriate mindfulness. Here he is finally concentrated and fully mindful of his own mind. From my appropriate mindfulness came a breakthrough of understanding. <clears throat> From name and form, as a requisite condition, comes consciousness. Then I had the thought, and this is a small nuclear explosion in the world of thought. This consciousness turns back at name and form and goes no farther. It is to this extent that there is birth, aging, death, falling away, and returning. This is where ignorance is established. He sees this thing in his mind chasing his own tail. And he realizes that all the trouble come from that little wormhole. And sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. But um, this is the moment of awakening. You see that, it, and, and you, you can see here that awakening is not this, you know, blinding white light or somebody else, you know, handing you something uh, or, or blessing you with something. It is this deepening understanding of the human mind and realizing why it is that we are discontent in this world. From name and form as the requisite condition that brings name and form is the requisite condition that brings consciousness, and consciousness is the requisite condition that brings name and form. Then I have thought the sixth sense base, the five senses and consciousness, 
is dependent on the condition of name and form, dependent on self-referential views. And this is the origination of the entire mass of suffering. So the senses inform name and form. But because name and form also contains our thinking, our thinking and our um, our self-referential views color our senses. Again, something is changing its own tail. Vision arose, understanding arose, discernment arose, knowledge arose, illuminating insight arose within me with regard to things never known before. Nobody told him this, figured it all out. Concentrated mind. Then I had the thought, what is the condition that the cessation of stress and aging, stress of aging and death is dependent on? The cessation. For my appropriate mindfulness came a breakthrough of understanding from the cessation of birth, the birth of the five cleaning aggregates, as the requisite condition comes the cessation of stress and aging and death. When that thing that experiences suffering disappears like the little you know loose bird's nest that it is then there is nobody there to experience this suffering anymore there is no more reason to it's all you have left is a clear mind it's not screwing itself up anymore From my appropriate mindfulness came a breakthrough of understanding from the cessation of consciousness, ongoing thinking, as the requisite condition comes the cessation of name and form. Ron, real quick. The cessation of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And often, or so sometimes, we see rooted ignorance. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. what, that's what we're ongoing thinking. Your average day-to-day -day ongoing thinking, and that's that's the same for the five thing aggregates, right? With the cessation of ignorance mm -hmm. as experienced by the five thing aggregates, we're not talking about mm -hmm. getting rid of touch, no taste, but they're no but they're longer, but they're no longer based in ignorance. Right, they're no longer based in in not understanding the. Right. How things work and how things work is uh, uh, how you get out of it. Like ignorance is basically not knowing for noble truth. That's that's the the real ignorance that we're talking about. It's not being stupid. It is not understanding the teachings. Thank you. So. First, 
from my appropriate mindfulness came a breakthrough of understanding from the cessation of consciousness as a requisite as a requisite condition comes the cessation of name and form. So when the uninformed thinking stops, all these false self-referential views stop as well. For my appropriate mindfulness came a breakthrough of understanding from the cessation of name and form as the requisite condition comes the cessation of consciousness. And the opposite is true too. So these were his insights. Now he gets the work. I have attained the following path to awakening. I did this, you can do it. From the cessation of name and form comes the cessation of consciousness. From the cessation of consciousness comes the cessation of name and form. From the cessation of name and form also comes the cessation of the sixth sense media. From the cessation of the sixth sense media comes the cessation of contact. He's going down dependent origination. Just tripping down steps here. From the cessation of contact comes the cessation of feeling. That's always my favorite. Where do we get our, our feelings? Because something comes into our senses and we don't like it. Or we look, we do like it. And you know, and you see that once you when you break that one thing, all of a sudden all these feelings are kind of left floating. They don't recur. From the cessation of feeling comes the cessation of craving. If there's no like and dislike, good or bad, the whole craving thing disappears too. From the cessation of craving comes the cessation of clinging and maintaining. We don't hold on to things. From the cessation of clinging and maintaining comes the cessation of becoming. We no longer have this urge to get away from the present moment. We are no longer uncomfortable just being. Um, is that where you would say you're just sensitive? Yeah, indeed. Being, yeah, in, in, in a state of being, your senses are still working. So yes, you are sensitive. That's the freedom. But there's there's no personality, there's no self-referential stuff in between. Man sitting on the top of the mountain. What was the, the Beatles song again? You're not dying, you're like dreaming. No, no. Uh, full on the hill. The full on the hill. <laughs> Came to my mind just now. What a uh, the cessation of becoming. From the cessation of becoming, from this relentless wanting to get out of the present moment, comes the cessation of birth, the birth of the five clinging aggregates. All these things that we construct to keep our identity propped up with all the feedback loop in between, ceases. It just becomes form feeling completely free of self-referential things. 
From the cessation of birth, then aging, death, sorrow, regret, pain, distress, and despair all cease. If there's nothing there to experience suffering, to be a reference point to suffering, if that goes away, then the whole idea of suffering, there's nothing there left to, to suffer. Aging and death, yeah, still there. It's going to trip you up. But it's just happening. It's not happening to you anymore. This is the cessation of the entire mass of stress. Vision arose, understanding arose, discernment arose, knowledge arose, illuminating insight arose within me with regard to things never known before. In this way, I saw a timeless path to be traveled by the, self, by the rightly self-awakened ones. And what is this timeless path traveled by the rightly self-awakened ones? Just this noble eightfold path. Right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right meditation. This is the ancient timeless path traveled by the rightly self-awakened ones. And he calls it the, here the ancient timeless path. It's probably Arya in, in, uh, in the Pali, uh, the noble path. Um, these, these, this section is often used to come up with the idea that there were thousands and endless Buddhas before and there'll be endless Buddhas afterwards. And that's just another way of deifying Siddhartha. And if you deify the person who is teaching you, you can't learn a thing because you cannot possibly believe that you are capable of the same. This is the ancient timeless path traveled by the rightly self-awakened ones. I follow this path. Following it, I came to direct knowledge of the stress of aging and death. Direct knowledge of the origination of the stress of aging and death and direct knowledge of the cessation of the stress of aging and death. Direct knowledge of the path leading to the cessation of the stress of aging and death. So here are your four noble truths. I followed this path. Following it, I came to direct knowledge of birth, becoming, clinging, craving, feeling, contact, sixth sense media, name and form, consciousness, direct knowledge of the origination of consciousness, direct knowledge of the cessation of consciousness, direct knowledge of the path leading to cessation of consciousness. I follow this path. So he lays out in this sutta, these are the fundaments of all of my teachings. Following it, I came to direct knowledge of fabrications, direct knowledge of the origination of fabrication, direct knowledge of the cessation of fabrication, direct knowledge of the eightfold path leading to the cessation of fabrications. 
Knowing this directly, I have revealed it to monks, nuns, male lay followers, and female lay followers, so that this undefiled life has become powerful, rich, detailed, well-populated, widespread, and proclaimed among many beings. And that is the end of the Sutta. So you can see here why this is one of the crucial suttas. It is not easy to get the whole thing. Don't even try. <laughs> Took me 10 years. And I'm still not getting the whole thing in one shebang. But he lays it out. He lays out his search. He lays out his final effort. He lays out his completely unique insights in the human mind. And he lays out how he turned that into what he was going to teach and how he was going to teach. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> Not bad for a Tuesday night cold open. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's the best to do it that way. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Because I, I can... I can spend a week on this trying to prepare and then I'm, I'm still like buzzing by the time I get in. All right. John, would you like to say something? If you may not be up and running. You can always jump in. Uh, Jeff, how are you tonight? Um, well, thanks. Thank, thank you very much for that, Ron. It was very well done. Um, however, it's been a long day. Uh -huh. So I'll maintain silence. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Jane, how are you tonight? I'm well, thank you. Um, that's my comment is just thank you. I just felt like I've been on a journey. Uh -huh. you know, to understanding and thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. I'm going to start there. All right. Nice. Uh, this is probably the, I don't know how many times I've heard you teach this sutta, and every single time. Two or three, I think. Gets better, maybe, maybe at least three. Yeah, at least three. Yeah. Um. So thank you for that. Uh, what it seems to you know boil down to to me in that understanding our contribution to stress. So if we're if we're if the whole mass of stress and suffering is understood 
by understanding Four Noble Truths, then what's the second noble truth? Our contribution to stress is from craving and clinging. We are doing this to ourselves. Everything that, that is described in dependent origination, further elucidated in the Nagara Sutta, is our self-inflicted habitual discontent. We're doing it to ourselves. And the center, the pivot is always crazy. Always. No. So our contribution to stress is through craving and clinging. And when we consciousness rooted in ignorance of four noble truths is a requisite condition for self-identification. Consciousness rooted in ignorance of four noble truths, you know, flip it back again, name and form. What is the requisite condition for name and form? Consciousness rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. So as soon as I can get into understanding that my thoughts are what are contributing to my stress, then I can I can start to develop this path of practice. Which is what we do in jhana. Which is what we do. It's what we do in jhana. It's what we do as part of the concentration factors of the Eightfold Path. It's what we do as part of the virtuous factors of the Eightfold Path. And it culminates in the wisdom factors of the Eightfold Path. So, thank you, Bob. Hmm. Back. Uh, felt like I was back about a little over a decade in a philosophy class <laughs> in college, which I greatly enjoyed. Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> I couldn't stand philosophy. Uh, thank you. No, I. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I understand. This is this is it. This is like. Um, uh, this really should be philosophy or what? Which for me makes makes reading current philosophy so, ah, you know, they're still, you know, they're still dealing with that stuff. Why don't they get down to the basics? Yeah? I really like the um, description of and your understanding of becoming as well. Mm. Yeah. See why it's such a sticky. It's a real sticky word. Subject. Yeah, and um, I've, my understanding of it has been a little bit adjacent to, and I, I really mm -hmm. I like that, that view as well. Yeah, it's um, I think English speakers have more more trouble with it than uh, than non English speakers, and I consider myself actually a non English speaker. Um, but it's easy to get um, to get sidetracked into thinking that it's it's the it's becoming something. While you know, it's a difference between a verb and a noun. Actually, that's what it comes down to. Um, 
once you see it as a noun, it, it uh, comes a little clearer. You know, the picture becomes a little clearer of what's going on here. But there is a sutta where, where, uh, where the Buddha says, point blank, there is nothing good about becoming. Um, he actually said, just like the smallest bit of shit stinks, the same way <laughs> every bit of becoming is odious to me, even for a finger snap. And he's really clear about that. Um, which makes it difficult, you know, to use becoming as a verb, because now you have the choice. What do you want to become? You can become something, you know, uh, skillful or unskillful. It doesn't seem to be the point. Uh, I think in in later in in later descriptions that he gives of um, of. Um, arahants and, and, and disciples that are well established. He said they have their, it's the cessation of becoming that's, that's essential to their, their well being and their, their path. One of these days, I'll write it all down and give it up for perusal. It's good. Thank you for the teaching. Um, if this is something that happens every once in a while, I'm looking forward to the next round of Nagara Sutta. Mm -hmm. I think the past few classes have been really great for me. Like, I mean, they all are, but something's clipped into gear recently, which has been cool. And I think for me to take away from this conversation is just what everybody is hitting on, which is that, um, as you put it, being mindful of your mind and deepening your understanding of the mind helps you understand, mm. like, suffering to good. So, thank you for that. This is why this, this sutta is set in the series about jhana. That's what we do in jhana. Mm -hmm. If you look at the, what, you know, the, the Sariputta sutta, you know, what did he do? He's watching his mind. Mm -hmm. That's all he's doing. He goes pretty deep, but still, he's just watching his mind. Thank you. Great. Well, thank you for the teaching. Um, I enjoyed that immensely. Uh, I don't have, like, this is my first time through hearing mm -hmm. any of the, yeah, um, the canon, I guess. Um, but, uh, Buddha said, come and see for yourself, right? So mm -hmm. um, I loved what you had to say about becoming. Um, it's in my mind, what, what sprang to me or what came to me immediately when you said that was um, the man takes a drink and the drink takes the man. Um, mm. And that. Uh, and then, you know, what follows is that you can only distract yourself for so long and then defer. Um, and that may be a really imprecise understanding of mm -hmm. a very detailed concept, but mm -hmm. that's what I, what I understood today. And um, 
I loved hearing you talk about uh, feedback loops. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because it's all about like the consciousness of consciousness, right? It's all about I'm, yep. I am the one who watches myself and it's. Um, We're all rapids chasing our tail. Right. Um, but there's, um, I mean, that's, that's where the, for me in my experience, just from what little I know, that's where the freedom is. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess what I'm, what I'm being led to as I'm understanding what you're saying and as I'm processing all of it is, um, you know, in the last, in the last class, we talked a little bit about this and it's something that I've been struggling with myself, this concept of now what, mm. like, okay, um, I am aware of all this information and um, I can have this practice and I can do these things and go through these steps and have a certain quality of mind. But then what? What? Do, and um, and there's something there in the consciousness of feeling, the consciousness of, of myself having a feeling in that um, that experience can only deepen. The more that I'm divorced from that, or the, the more separate I am from my becoming mm -hmm. in that moment, the more I can observe about that feeling mm -hmm. or that experience. And, and what the result of that is for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, just on the drive down here, like I had a really good day today. Um, and I was really enjoying that. And I had this moment where it was like, oh, is that okay? Uh, mm -hmm. Is it okay that I'm, I'm really happy right now? Should uh, I really, I probably shouldn't get too carried away with this. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm still, well, still putting my finger on right, you know, right. that, that whole thing. The getting carried away is when you want that feeling to continue. That's getting carried away with it. Right, there's if that, you just that sit there, in the moment. you're driving along, and things are just fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're watching the movie through the windshield. You know, that's mm -hmm. all that's happening now. And it's fine. Mm -hmm. Great. You know, all of a sudden there's a deer up ahead. You know, things change. But it, it only gets to be a problem having that feeling if you want it to continue mm -hmm. or if you don't want it to continue either you know I, either way that's where yeah and and and, and 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 i yes and but if you if you consider becoming mm -hmm. in that and i feel so good that i'm distracted from my consciousness of consciousness uh, even in that moment uh, even if I'm, if I am, it's almost as if you're saying, well, you could, it's, there's a way to be present in the moment. It's one thing to be fully in the moment, mm -hmm. but there's also, uh, it's, I'm, I'm still, you think, there, there's, you think there's, there's a good way and a bad way to be in the moment. I think the word that you guys use is skillful. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, it's a good question. I think if, if you're truly in the moment and there is no craving bubbling up, you're doing fine. 
there's nothing, there's <laughs> nothing to to be even leery of, and and this is part of the uh, the currency for yourself. This is that experience. If if that experience for you is immediately followed by, is it okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a little something going on there, mm-hmm. but. Uh, um, it's premature to be taking it to that, like, down so far down the road. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not having insights to the three marks, and it's not being driven by a true understanding of those insights, because that's all we're doing. That's what this practice is for, mm-hmm. is insights to the three marks of existence. Yeah. That answers your question about impermanence and if there's any remaining craving mm-hmm. you don't have that insight to three marks yeah then that's when you're come see for yourself it means take it to its fullest extent and don't worry about what's going to be left at the end because mm-hmm. it, it's down the road it's it, it's you know deepening of your concentration development of your refined mindfulness along the way you develop wiser strength and then you'll start seeing these things clearer and clearer but it really is purpose of this practice is insight to the three marks yeah. anything else is outside of the handful of leaves and you have to remember that yeah in, in that, in that even the, the insight into becoming has to point back to the three words. Yeah. Which, you know, in a way it does, because it, it shows that the impermanence of your, mm-hmm. of even your, your attention uh, in there. It's the beauty of these studies, the way John puts it together. You know, look back at the syllabus mm-hmm. and see how this flows. Yep. And if you, if you just take the time to read it from the beginning to the end, you see the development. And then our next study will be on insight. So it's good to take a step back and, you know, see why John put it together this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and this, this study more than, more than others, I, I, I get to see the, the sequence. Because even when I'm doing this, I'm, I'm, I'm referencing back two or three. Yeah. Raquel? It's interesting to try to, like, uh, it's very interesting recording information because I identified it also through what you're saying, so especially. Not as advanced as all of you mm-hmm. uh, in this teaching and searching for this, but not in the right way. So many directions that yeah. everything that uh, we read about Buddha meditation has been taking us, and finally we find this, this the simplicity of this. But and I came to this. Um, 
understanding today that this is the, our whole existence is like an illusion because you know like who am I what am I doing you know mm -hmm. and, that, and uh, the more I try to get rid of my thoughts and observe it sometimes it's exhausting I have to be paying attention to that all the time yeah long, especially yeah. me because I have a tendency for uh, negative mind mindset uh, and, it's, uh, it's sometimes a better analogy to to call it the magician's trick instead of an illusion um, and it's it's a trick that we kind of play in ourselves you saw in, in in the sutta how you know all these parts of the mind kind of in, in influence each other and mm -hmm. these these loops keep happening um, it can be a little tricky to call things illusions because uh, you're still in the world. You're still... Fabrications. Yeah. Fabrications <clears throat> is a little better because now you know that you have a hand in it. There is a fabricator there. Because um, for me, sometimes illusions means it's, it's not real. And um, I've seen people go a little bit, you know, out of reality because they keep thinking that things are not real, that every, everything is an illusion. We're, you're still going to walk into the wall, you know, if you, <laughs> if you persist in, in that. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a lot of machinations in, in the mind. There's a lot of things going on. Um, and, and, you know, what the Buddha did here was sit down with that, with that mind and with persistence and concentration, understand what's really happening. It's, they're not great mysteries. Just it requires it requires concentration, not being distracted by what's already going on. So that, that little step back that you do, this is what you do in, in meditation. You take a little step back from that mind that you're normally completely involved in. And you see the feelings coming. And you see the... And the breath gives you a point to go back to, to, to take that step back. Then you ask the question, what makes this, this mind so discontent about that? So mm -hmm. what's the answer to it? Yeah. Um, I, I'd spend 50 years looking at that question. And, you know, and I was on lots of ignoble searches. Thinking that I found something, someone, or some philosophy that really made sense, uh, and I followed those things. Um, but <clears throat> the original question, the original thing in my mind when I left home uh, in 22 was this discontent 
I don't like what's going on here. I, I don't I don't understand it and I don't like it. I want to, I want to understand what's what's going on, you know. Because I have no real reason to be discontent either. I had a good life. And now uh, I'm not really much discontent anymore. I realize that whatever happens is happening and <clears throat> I'm dealing with it the best I can. And if it's a conflicted mind, it's going to be a conflicted life. Mm -hmm. Thank you all. We will end with This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward, gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful not to deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Just as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires. They abandon ignorance of four noble truths. Having completed the path, they are not born again into this world. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.